It's time to get away from it all. Doesn't matter if you say you or y'all. Let's all get out there and have some fun. Bluff City Outdoor Show is for everyone. Welcome to the Bluff City Outdoor Show. Thank you, Barry Woods, and indeed, welcome to the Bluff City Outdoor Show on 1019 and 94.1 News Talk STL. Tony Colombo here in studio with producer Quentin and my partner Mark McMurray from Bluff City Outdoors. Lots to talk about today, this week. A lot of excitement happening out there. Uh, deer season underway. Uh, shotgun season. Rifle season. What's what? what I'm going to show my ignorance here. What's the proper way to say it? Is it rifle season? Is it shotgun? Season? So in Missouri, you got a rifle season, and sh- Illinois, you got a shotgun season. Okay, and you can't use rifles. In and Illinois. one of them started. In Missouri, this one of them started in Missouri last week. Yes, and, and I think and it runs like eleven consecutive days. I'm just gonna call it shooting season. Yeah. Illinois, <laughs> Illinois runs it over two weekends: <laughs> weekend before Thanksgiving and the weekend after Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, uh, and it's underway, and that is, uh, uh, you know, a, a big time of the year for so many hunters across the area. Lots of of I've, I've read lots of stories. I've talked to a lot of people that have gotten a chance to get out and and hunt in Missouri. This this Past weekend, and then, like you said, it uh, kicks off in Illinois this weekend? This weekend, yep. yep. Uh, so we will be talking uh, hunting a lot on the show today. We're going to be joined by Tim Shelsvik from Drury Outdoors, the uh, one of our biggest hunting experts here on the show. Also, just for a little bit of fun, we are going to be joined uh, by our friend Brian Agers from Agers HVAC. Agers, of course, a big supporter of News Talk STL, and Brian is a huge outdoorsman and hunter, and I know he was out this weekend, and we were talking earlier this week, and I said, why don't you jump on the show with us and just tell some hunting stories. And he, I thought it would be good. Yeah, yeah, looking definitely looking forward to that. Um, what are you guys, uh, what what are you hearing at the shop? What is the, what's been the buzz there? Um, I mean, it's still also, it, it's still a great time to fish. Yep, yeah, uh, fishing's still good. That's not uh, slowed down either, so I would imagine that there's a lot of activity out of Bluff City Outdoors. Yeah, it is. It's busy. I mean, you got the deer ruts on now, uh, so all the males. I almost hit two driving home last night. Uh, wow. Two different spots on the same road. Second one was, I mean, I just just barely missed it. Yeah. Had I not almost hit the first one, I would have been going faster and probably hit the second one. But I slowed down after that. Yeah, they're, the rut's on, so the uh, the bucks are chasing the does. And, yeah, well, I've seen that in our backyard, too. We got a, there was about eight eight deer back there last night when I pulled in. Mm. And is that is that – this is what we talked about, like, recently – it seems like the places that you would see deer over the years, like you might spot one or two deer, you know, in, in a certain field or woods or whatever. Now it's like now it's like you don't spot one or two, you spot twenty. Yep. Is that what you're? Yeah, that's what we're exactly seeing too. Yep. Experiencing. Yeah, that um, that is that that is one of the things that I want to talk uh, to Tim Shelsvik about later on in the show. And also speaking of this, like spread of. Uh, of animals uh, encroachment, whether we're encroaching on them or they're encroaching on us. There was a bear spotted in Jefferson County, Missouri this week that has a black bear that has, uh, uh, I think, or what is it? A brown bear. I'll have the, I'll have all the details when we get there, but a bear spotted in Jefferson County, Missouri, that's created a, uh, a buzz. And, you know, we just put in a bear season in Missouri a couple of years ago and, 
Here's some more wildlife encroachment. Yeah, that's what you need. Bears jump. <laughs> I know, but it's uh it's 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 it it's crazy. It's it's like um I don't know, like it it feels like logically as people spread and you know, industrial, you know, commercialism spreads across an area, you would see less wildlife, but it's been the they, exact they opposite adapt. over they the last couple of years. Certain species can adapt, and and when they do, they just they, they thrive. You yeah. know, it's 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 you know it's 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 incredible. You know how some adapt, and a lot of it has to do with you know when that when you change the area. You know, if you're you know you're you're bringing at times more food for them. You know, some of the landscaping stuff that they put out, the deer love. Uh, so if you happen to put that around your warehouse, you know you're going to have deer coming up there eating that and. Uh-huh. It just it just seems to people have a, a lot of times generate food for them, yeah, and in good places for them to live. Yeah, no, that's that's a that's a, a a really good point. In fact, that was the when I was in Gatlinburg a few weeks ago, and we were going on some hikes in the in the Smoky Mountains. I mean, that you know, in that part of the country, this is you know, it's common knowledge that if you have food on you. Or you, or you know the or the bears specifically the bears in that area, but you know just wildlife in general. They if they start to associate humans with food, then they're gonna look, they're not gonna run from the humans. They're, they're gonna, gonna go at, towards, yes, towards the torture. human, and that yep. and that creates more and more uh, encounters. Encounters exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you we're, talk about the bear too. One of my buddies just this past week sent me a, he he got a mountain lion on his trail cam in in uh, our airbot. Maybe thirty miles north of St. Louis. Yeah. Yep. We've, he hasn't really pushed it out on Facebook, but I said I'm going to mention it. Yeah. I know, love, but yeah. yeah, yeah, it was there. You know, he's have, he's, he's a good buddy. So. I have a buddy. I same situation. This was maybe three years ago. Somebody who has uh, some farmland, and but it's not. It's it's in it's in North County, uh, and um, it you know it's it's in an area that is that is heavily forested. But it's not like it's, it's not like it's out. It's out in the sticks. It's not like it, you know you're. It's still five minutes away, ten minutes away from shopping centers yep, yep. and subdivisions and everything. So it's not like isolated and rural. And same thing. Caught a mountain lion on a couple of trail cams, and we were just looking at that thing like, you know, with our mouths wide open, like, holy cow, that is right there. Like yeah, apparently they follow the the big rivers and stuff. So yeah, they follow the Missouri River. They follow the Mississippi River. Mm-hmm. This area was you know up a creek off off the uh, Illinois River. You know, so it's just the same general thing. They follow those big rivers. You know, they're gonna get caught on camera every yeah. now and then. Um, with the uh, 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 with shotgun season underway in Missouri and getting ready to start in. In Illinois, there's a little bit of a pause for the archery guys. Uh, good time to come in and yeah, get, get your equipment, you know, get your equipment taken care of. Anything you got to get done, you know, turnaround time on like bowstrings is we're still doing about five, six days. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, we can get you fixed up pretty quick. And and then, of course, also just uh, if you just need new equipment. Yep. Oh, yeah. And a new, uh, yeah, both the new Hoyt bows uh, and the new Matthews bows came out this week. And they're not available, but they're available to order, and we have samples mm-hmm. of, of both of those at our shop. And crossbows, we've talked about that recently. Is that still kind of a uh, one of those popular items that's oh, yeah. starting to grow and in, in more and more in popularity? 
Yep. It just a lot of people who don't have the strength or, you know, they're getting older and can't pull the compounds. They can just go out and hunt with the crossbows. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of those uh, that if we have time, we might touch on that with Tim uh, a little bit later on. Maybe Brian, too, because uh, I always it's always interesting to me. You know, the crossbows when it comes to hunting, electronics when it comes to fishing. There was a big hubbub over the Alabama rig a few years ago when it got super popular in fishing, like the traditionalists versus the uh, the people that are trying to evolve and adapt and bring in different technology and things. And yep. that yep. argument between, like, is that okay? Is it not okay? Should we be using crossbows? Should we be using electronics? Does that take away from the sport? Does that take away from the skills? Or is it just an enhancement and an evolution of it all? I love this. I mean, you know, things change. I mean, we could still use, be trying to catch fish with a sharp stick, you know. but <laughs> Right, but, yeah. You know, we decided rods yeah. and reels yeah, and so fish hooks exactly. make better sense. Exactly. That was the original, that was the original debate <laughs> when somebody made the first fishing pole there was a group of guys going oh come on you can't be that's not fair you can't be using that that's never gonna catch on <laughs> can't use that crap um one more thing i wanted to touch on before we before we dive into the the conversations with brian and uh tim uh with all this encroachment in these additional encounters with with wildlife is that is that sparking any of the the trapping industry here in the area i know that's something that's near and dear to your heart and yeah i mean the outdoors can yeah the guys that do it uh so you got you know kind of got the guys the guys that love it because they love it there's a group of those guys that they're going to go no matter what the fur prices are and stuff and then you got the group that are doing it to improve their hunting because they knock out the raccoons Mm. and take the coyotes out knock those numbers down improves their deer and turkey hunting so you kind of got those guys and then you just got the people that just get overwhelmed with the animals and they got to hire somebody to come in and, and, and take care of it. I mean, yeah. if you got a lake, muskrats cause a lot of damage. Beaver can cause a tremendous amount of damage. Yeah. Uh, they're just, beaver are just, they're big and they just always want to expand the water. So, mm-hmm. they, you know, so if they're damming up a creek, they're always going to build the dam higher, you know, get, they get more food sources available to them. And it's pretty shocking how, how, good they are at how fast they can oh my, build incredible. dams and and impact the flow of the water you know or whatever like it's not like it's something that you see and oh this is a this is a problem that could you know become an issue over time it happens like that and yeah we had, you got to be on top when i was in college just trapping with my dad there was a slew over by cahokia and the river was flooded and it kind of backed up into there and then the water started dropping and there was a beaver colony in there, and they just it got so low, and across the end of it, it was about 100 yards. One day, there wasn't a dam there. The next day, there was a mud dam there. And then after that, then they started piling the sticks on it and stuff. Wow. But in one night, they kicked up 100 yards of dirt, mud, and made a dam. <laughs> That's how it started. <laughs> I know. Within Quentin, a, Quentin's face, yeah. Within about three weeks, we were walking across it. We learn a lot on this show, Quentin. Trust me. You'll, <laughs> Quentin's kind of new to the Bluff City Outdoors show. And yeah, there's a, there's, a, I've learned tons about, uh, about a lot of these animals and it's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. And, and that's what I, that's why I asked because it, it just, you know, it, you know, it's not just deer and you know, this bear sighting in, in Jeff, Jefferson County, it's it's everything. It's it's raccoons, it's coyotes, it's you know people and these animals 
are having more and more encounters. Yeah, more and more encounters. Colliding with each other. So I would imagine that that has to have some kind of impact on uh, the trapping industry. Oh, it does. I mean, it, there's I mean, now there's guys that actually make their living, you know, doing the nuisance wildlife control. And, yeah. You know, and because, you know, the, the fur market's not there to get those animals knocked down by the trappers that were doing it for free. Mm-hmm. So now, when they become a problem, somebody's got to pay them to, to yeah. remove them. Will it ever come back? You think the fur, or is that is that something that we have moved past? And it's more of now it'll be driven. That industry will be driven by the the nuisance. Yeah, I think it might come back some. It, it's really controlled by uh, mink and rock, fox ranchers. That's mm-hmm. what really controls the market. Uh, there's so much more of that fur produced in the world than there is wild fur. Yeah. Because there's only three countries that produce wild fur, United States, Canada, and uh, Russia. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but there's a lot of places that do the ranch pink. All the Scandinavian countries, you know, they're they're all yeah. big into that. Yeah, I, did, I just didn't know if that was something that, like, you know, that people were, even the people that would normally be interested in, you know, fur coats or whatever it may be, you know, that you use the products for like, Oh, that's not, that's taboo now. So we can't. So it's, I don't know. It's, you know, it's some people, you know, just because of the the animal rights type stuff, but I mean, it's a hundred percent renewable. It's a Mm -hmm. renewable resource that Mm -hmm. if you don't use it, it goes to waste. Right. And uh, it makes sense. And you know, I got a beaver hat that I wear. It's 40 years old, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's been wearing it for over 40 years. Right. Yeah. And when it's when it's when it's when it's when you're when you're doing right when you're helping the environment and the land and those species when you like with deer hunting and things like that, you, why waste the yes why the waste the resource yeah. from it? So uh, yeah, it's not like it's not like oh well these people are just going out there to kill uh, this animal because they want a hat you know there's so much more to it and, and we all know that. It'd be like a farmer planting his corn and then not harvesting it. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. All right. That is Mark McMurray. I'm Tony Colombo. This is the Bluff City Outdoors show, and we will continue with Tim Shelsvik from Drury Outdoors. He'll join us in just a little bit. And our buddy Brian Agers from Agers HVAC. He was in a deer stand just a few days ago, so I want to talk to him about uh, that experience and more next on the Bluff City Outdoor Show on 1019 and 941 News Talk STL. Yeah, when it comes to retrieving old Duke's on his game. A John Boat, a couple of. This is the Bluff City Outdoor Show on News Talk STL. Welcome back to the Bluff City Outdoor Show on 1019 and 94.1 News Talk STL. I'm Tony Colombo in studio with producer Quentin and my partner Mark McMurray. And joining us on the line now, one of the great uh, advertisers and supporters of us here at News Talk STL and Avid outdoorsman himself, Brian Agers from Agers HVAC is on the line. Brian, thanks for uh, joining us today. How are you? I'm doing good. How about you guys? Doing good. In fact, I think you're doing even better than us. I think so. <laughs> Sounds- well, maybe if you hear if you hear some leaves stomping around in the background, that's because uh, I just got a doe a few minutes ago, and uh, <laughs> and my and so my son uh, came over from his stand, and he's 
helping me take care of things so that I can do this radio talk. That's awesome. <laughs> hey, hey, son, you got go go clean this up for me. I got to go be on the radio. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, well, you take care of cleaning this up. I got things to do. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's as good as it gets. So uh, I mentioned earlier, you and I were talking earlier in the week, and I knew that you were out last weekend on, on opening weekend here in uh, Missouri. So I just said, you know, why don't you come on and we'll tell some hunting stories. And, uh, yeah, that's about as good as it gets five minutes yeah. before we call you, you, uh, uh, you get a deer. Is that, uh, so how was, just tell us about, uh, so far this season today, obviously a good day. And, and, uh, last weekend, you know, what, uh, what was going on out there? Well, last weekend, um, you know, I'm in, I'm in the woods between say, um, Cedar Hill and Eureka. And so, um, I mean, last weekend there was a fair amount of movement, uh, nothing really much through the middle of the day. It was mostly, uh, early morning and, and late, late evening. Uh, most of the activity I'm seeing is right after the sun sets and, uh, then all of a sudden, you know, things come alive. And last night I was sitting in the stand and watched four of them walk past me, um, so yeah, I mean, there's been plenty of activity, and uh, so it's, it's you know, as far as I'm concerned, I think I've seen more deer this year than I have in memory. Mm. Yeah, That's good. Yeah, uh, it, we're, we're hearing a lot of that too. Yeah, we were just talking about that. How much, there, how many more uh, encounters we've been seeing? I t- we told the story I think last week about our boss here at the radio station who hit a deer on his way into work. Not, not out in St. Charles County or yeah, right here you know, close. Yeah, so yeah, in in downtown in North St. Louis downtown is where. How weird is that? Yeah, I, yeah, and I mean, but it's been a big it's been a big topic of discussion here on the show in in recent weeks, Brian. And um, it, it's it sounds like something that you've seen too. It's like um, I feel like you're seeing we're seeing more and more deer, and we've got this story about this bear being in in Jeff County this week. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the encroachment or the encounters or however you want to describe it seems to be really like rocketing up in, in recent years. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I saw, you know, I, everything that I'm seeing for the most part is though, uh, we had, mm. well, I guess it's probably been right before the harvest. I've got neighbors who, uh, plant a plethora of soybeans and corn. And one evening I'm rolling in and it's just a little over a month ago. And it was, son had said it wasn't dark and, uh, I'm rolling down the road and I'm like, what is going on here? Cause I look in the guy's field and it's all soybeans and I pull over and the road's not super busy and I'm sitting there counting. I counted 52 head <laughs> right down the street. So I was like, somebody's having a party. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. What a level, Mark, what level of, um. Uh, from just your experience at the shop, what level of uh, of prep do people do the, does the average hunter take? I mean, do they go out and get the the sprays and the salt licks and go all out, or is it just like you know, grab your gun and put on some camo and go hide? Like, what's the intensity level? And do you hear out there? So there's a group that are super prepared. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to know what percent it is, maybe 30, 40%. They're, they're, they're ready. I mean, they come in that, you know, they're, they're, they're shooting, they're getting their practice in, everything's tuned up, you know, they're getting their sense or getting all their cover sense, getting all that mm-hmm. stuff. They're, they're ready. Yeah. yeah. You know, and uh, then you got some that are just sort of, 
wait till the last minute and throw things together and <laughs> right, go. Right. You know, and usually throw those on are the, the camo jacket and go hide behind a tree. And sometimes <laughs> those are the guys that the next day they're bringing their stuff in to get fixed. You know? <laughs> right. Right. Brian, where yeah, do you? Some people are very prepared. I mean, I've I know guys who live specifically to hunt. Nothing else matters this time <laughs> right. of the year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where do you where do you land on that uh, on that scale, Brian? Well, I own a business, and uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm a uh, husband and father of three, and so <laughs> I'm certainly closer to the go in to my hunting room, uh, grab my stuff, get set up. I usually start about three weeks before getting the stand ready, and uh, you know, I don't want to be doing anything last minute to spook anything out in the woods, so try to let it set out there long enough that it's not new mm-hmm. and uh and basically once it's time to, to party we uh grab our stuff and go park it so will you be uh how much more how many more times do you think you'll be able to uh get out over the next uh, couple days and now you at least you've got uh at least you've got you know one in the bag uh mm-hmm. to talk about this season it's tough uh you know because work kind of dictates my hunting schedule unfortunately sure. i'm the purists that are listening are going to be thinking this guy is no hunter, uh, but <laughs> oh, please, <laughs> I've got a family, uh, <laughs> so and a business. So you know, I'd say I may be lucky enough to uh, hit it a couple of more times, but I've also got a trip to South Dakota uh, pheasant hunting that's on the books for oh, that's cool. the next few days. So I'm going to have to bounce out of here early, and so I'm going to miss the last three days of hunting season. Is that something that you have uh, done uh, in the past, or is this something uh, yeah. new? Yeah, yeah, no, this is no, this is uh, probably. I was thinking about this earlier today. Whether this was the eleventh or twelfth year in a row I've gone out there. That's awesome. Tell us about that a little yeah. bit. Tell, share some of that experience. How'd you get into that? And um, you know, what about that? Like, uh, you grabbed your interest. So it all started years and years ago. Um, I was good friends with. Uh, Jeff Hansen from Hansen's Tree Service. Yeah, yeah. And, and Jeff, if you knew Jeff, he passed away uh, mm-hmm. 2015, but if, if you knew Jeff, you knew he was an evangelist for anything and everything he was interested in. <laughs> and so, you know, it's, man, you got to come out here. It's the best thing ever. And I will have to say, um, he wasn't wrong. And so Jeff took me out the first couple of times. And, uh, and then since then, um, I've gone on trips with, uh, Jeff, his son, Chad, I've gone, Mm -hmm. uh, almost every year on the menu is the folks from grass or electric, um, Shane and, and his sons show up. And so it's a really good time. We've got a a farmer that, uh, built a lodge for us years ago Wow! and, uh, it's a pretty private deal. I think he only has three or four groups a year that come out and we're one of them. And, uh, really blessed to have the opportunity to go out there and, and hang out with good guys. And we just have a blast. It's a lot of fun. That, that, that sounds like uh, an, a whole lot of fun. Um, and Mark, I'm sure that, you know, we, we focus on fishing and deer hunting and, you know, the, the basics when we talk on the show here, but uh, I'm sure you run, you talk to people every day at the shop that have, you know, these oh, cool stories and experiences, it, is, you know, not, not as much fed, but tons of, tons of duck hunters and geese yeah, hunters, you know, yeah, those yeah. guys coming in and of course, you know, I like the ones that, you know, the trappers that come by and talk, you know? right. <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> 
Yeah, it's it's just cool to see the uh, continued growth. And Brian, this is another thing we've talked about on the show many times. It seems like um, if there was one maybe silver lining from the pandemic, it was that a bunch of people, when they didn't have anything else, when everything else was closed and nobody had anything else to do, uh, a lot of folks either discovered or rediscovered the outdoors fishing and hunting and and we've seen like uh, uh we've seen a boom in a lot of these areas and i think that that is uh, uh that's good for a, a a long list of reasons is have you seen the same yeah i agree I, you know i don't i don't know um the statistics on it I, i've always felt and maybe not in the last couple of years but i've felt like the hunting crowd is on a steady decline and i don't know if it's because you know, so many people are moving to suburbs. I don't know if, you know, it's just a cultural thing of, you know, mm-hmm. guns and, right. you know, guns are bad and, right. you know, I don't right. know, but sure. it seems, it seems like there's been some attrition and, you know, if we're seeing a resurgence in hunting, I think it's great because, you know, you sit out here and you, and you see video of deer that are dying from chronic wasting and things. And it's like, well, that's no way to die. Yeah. Or <laughs> so. like, or this, this, this overpopulation that we were just talking about, you know, when you, mm-hmm. you know, that's not good. That's not good for the deer when there's, when there's overcrowding. Um, so, you know, yeah, that's, cause disease travels a whole lot quicker yeah. when there's too many. Right. Absolutely. I, um, I was going to say, I think a lot of people that, you know, like my age, I'm 62, uh, that got entered, you know, into hunting their first exposures is, you know, rabbit and squirrel and things like that. And, Mm-hmm. We just don't have the rabbits nowadays that we had back then. Mm. I mean, they're just not there. Right, right. And I think that's part of because if you don't have rabbits to hunt, the kids don't get exposed to it at a young age. Yeah. You know, that's kind of leads them into the other other forms of hunting. And, that's 100% because uh, I started with squirrel, and uh, we grew up fairly uh, – what's a good word for it poor <laughs> and so <laughs> i literally I, I literally hunted squirrel when i was a kid just so we had some variety of meat to eat and so uh that's what got me into you know the hunting and and i started off with a 410 shotgun and and today i'm not going to disclose uh, to everyone in radio land how many firearms i have but it's more than one <laughs> <that way. laughs> you know it's interesting and mark maybe you would know you would know better than anybody else we've specifically talked about fishing and that was absolutely the case uh, in in the fishing industry that over the last few decades it was slowly going down less you know a little bit less fishing licenses and all of that every year it wasn't like a big drop-off but it was definitely declining and then the pandemic turned that around it turned it around got people back outdoors yeah it, it has that did it have that effect on uh, hunting as far as you can tell, Mark, or has that? I'm not, I don't know for sure, but when I list talk to like the, uh, the bow manufacturers and stuff, they, they definitely saw a huge surge of business, Yeah, you know, over those years too. Yeah. yeah Cause I, I agree with you, Brian. I think there was a, it just, you know, this is just my gut, you know, this is just my gut feeling and my own personal observation that it was something, all of it, fishing, hunting, all this, uh, all the, uh, you know, outdoor activities were kind of on a slow decline and, and were falling out of favor, you know, over time. But Well, and I think what was chilling it also is like hunting property is a premium. Yeah. And I mean, I had to buy, <laughs> I had to buy ground in order to go hunting. Right. So, you yeah. know, a lot of folks are getting priced out with, with inflation and everything else that's going on right now, a lot of folks are getting priced out of the opportunity to even hunt on private land. Such a great point. And public, 
public land it's pretty it can be pretty tough to hunt on because it's you know free for all and mm-hmm. um you know i think that i think that more than anything is probably chilling the hunting because you know it's it's tough to find a spot that is decent and that is affordable to go hunting yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right, and I hope that uh, I hope that the whether it be the pandemic or just people, you know, re-embracing, uh, you know, this uh, the outdoors lifestyle that uh, the hunting community is seeing the same turn over the last yeah, couple of years. Hopefully, and then hopefully this this stay. I mean, you know, hopefully it's a it's a trend that's going to be good. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Brian, we got to get you back on sometime very, very soon to uh, have more of these uh, conversations, especially if uh, after the I'd, I'd love to talk to you after your uh, pheasant hunting trip to see how that went and, and talk about okay. that a little bit more. Uh, before sure. we let you go, uh, to, we're going through it. Uh, one of those, you know, seasonal changes here in the St. Louis area. So I would imagine that that uh, definitely makes the uh, phone a little bit busier there at uh, Agers HVAC. Uh, tell folks about uh, the business and, um, and you know, if, uh, if anybody's having any problems as we switch over and you're turning your furnace on for the first time or running it uh, for the first time in a while and you have any problems, uh, Agers yeah. definitely the place yeah. to call. Yeah, there's definitely a seasonal demand that comes with the, the change in weather. And, and, you know, while I'm always happy to have business, I still scratch my head sometimes when people are like, yeah. I've known since last winter that it's not going to work. And it's like, hmm, okay. <laughs> you waited till now. <laughs> yeah. So, so glad to be here, but really? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, it, the phones definitely are, uh, 10 times busier than they were a month ago. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's never too late to call and, and get service work done or, preventative maintenance but uh, yeah we're busy absolutely preventative maintenance is is a key word there change your filters people on a regular that's right. basis <laughs> that's right change and your filters please yeah and don't let a uh, a potentially uh, bad problem get even worse just thinking that it's going to magically fix itself uh call the team at agers and uh, they'll take care of it for you call agers.com is the website uh, check them out there as well Brian, thanks so much, buddy. Great talking with you. And uh, yeah, you too. Yeah, have a great trip, and uh, we'll talk to you. We'll definitely catch up with you after your pheasant hunting trip, and uh, and uh, hear how that went. Thanks so much. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Yeah. yeah good luck out there. Yeah. Thanks. Great. Great stuff there from Brian Agers from Agers HVAC. All right, I've got some stats from the uh, first weekend of firearm season here in the state of Missouri. So we'll go over some of those and we'll continue our conversation with Tim Shelsvik from Drury Outdoors. He joins us next on the Bluff City Outdoors show here on 1019 and 94.1 News Talk STL. Your hands start shaking. Your heart gets to pumping, your knees get to knocking. You're listening to the Bluff City Outdoor Show on News Talk STL. And welcome back to the Bluff City Outdoors show. Tony Colombo here with producer Quentin and Mark McMurray from Bluff City Outdoors in studio. 
Going to get Tim Shelsvik from Drury Outdoors on the line in just a moment, but wanted to quickly remind you as we talk about all these great outdoor activities, that it's also a great time of year to be out there grilling. And before your next uh, barbecue, make sure you have a bag of Rockwood Lump Charcoal with you. Rockwood Charcoal, a great local family-owned business. You're supporting local industry as Missouri is the number one charcoal maker in the country. And Rockwood Lump Charcoal is just a superior product across the board especially if you're used to using the traditional briquettes. Uh, Rockwood has no filler, no extra chemicals in it, which means the 20-pound bag goes a lot further. You need a lot less Rockwood lump charcoal than you do uh, traditional charcoal to, uh, to, to grill with. It also burns hotter. It burns faster. It gives you more control. It just is a superior experience across the board. Uh, Rockwood Charcoal is available in over 100 area locations, including all Ace Hardware stores. Find the closest one to you and pick up some grilling tips and tricks all at rockwoodcharcoal.com. All right, as I mentioned, our buddy Tim Shelsvik from Drury Outdoors joins us on the line. And, uh, Tim, we were just talking to our buddy Brian Agers, who's an avid outdoorsman. He literally, five minutes before he joined us on the air, shot his first uh, deer of the season. And which was freaking awesome. Uh, I know this is a very exciting time of year for you as well and uh, uh, hunters and outdoorsmen all across the area. So uh, thanks for joining us. Great to talk with you. How are you? Does it sound petty if I say I hate that guy already? (laughs) (laughs) So your season, you're not off to uh, as good of a start, I assume? (laughs) You know, I've taken a doe with my bow uh, back in September, I think. It's super, you know, super thankful to be able to shoot her, put some meat in the freezer, and do some doe management on the properties I hunt in West County. There are just way too many deer per square mile. Mm. Uh, but then I had a really great encounter Friday, this past Friday night. So I guess, I guess two Friday nights ago when this airs. So the day right before rifle season opened here in Missouri, mm-hmm. I grunted a, a wacky rack buck. Uh, he's probably a four-year-old deer. I've been watching him on camera for the past couple months. And, and uh, didn't hear, see any any deer. It was getting towards last light. And uh, I hit the grunt tube. And I don't normally blind call, but this is the time of year where you just never know. And so it was either sit there and do nothing and see nothing or hit the, hit the grunt tube. And maybe something happens. And sure, I hit the grunt tube, blah, blah, and I hear just something galloping in the tree line coming towards me. And it's so thick in there, a bunch of cedars and scrub oaks. And I was on the field edge in my tree stand. And all of a sudden, like 15 feet from my tree, this wacky rack buck comes out. Pawing, he's making a scrape and he's you know, rubbing his antlers around in, uh, in an overhanging branch almost right below me. And so, you know, I'm, I, I film all my hunts, and so I'm hustling to get the big camera pointed down. I'm turning the point-of-view cameras on and everything, and, trying, and all the while he's screened by a bunch of branches below me. And, um, and I wait for him to finally quit making a scrape, and he comes closer to me. And in archery hunting, and the same thing is kind of true with firearms hunting, but more so in archery hunting, there's such a thing as too close of a shot, uh, especially if a deer is right below you. And he was on kind of a trajectory to come right to the base of my tree where I'm shooting straight down. It's, it's not ideal. So um, I kind of find a gap in the branches, and it's not a full-on straight-down shot, but it's pretty close. 
and somehow or another, the tip of the broadhead did not bite in his back, and it like deflect like he had a force field on him and it just deflected around him just shaved off some hair didn't hurt him probably confused him a little bit and then he ran out to, to about 40 yards and behind some branches and stuff and was looking around and then just took off and went back to chasing does <sighs> so it was a weird night for for both of us <laughs> <laughs> so long way of saying i have not taken a mature buck yet this season with my bow that is, uh, it's interesting to to think about it in that in that way. You know, like it's there's a such thing as a, he it's it's too close of a shot. Is it yeah. more about is that is that more truly about the distance or is it the angle that creates that problem? It's um it's it's definitely about the angle. It's about your shot mechanics as an archer, making sure that you're not changing the geometry of your body and the shot process. Like you're supposed to bend at your waist uh, so that your feet stance is about the same. But if you start doing different things with your body and contorting, it's going to change your anchor point a little bit. And with, with, uh, with archery, consistency is everything. Even if you do it wrong, as long as you keep doing it the same way every time, you're going to be fine. So shooting that, that, that close in at such a, at such a steep angle is a really tough shot in general to make. Most guys don't practice for that. The other thing is, like, your shot, if you're using your 20-yard pin on an animal that's maybe two or three yards from you, is going to hit low because if you think about the trajectory of an arrow, it starts out low when it comes out of your bow and makes an arc at kind of its midpoint and then, and then hits that uh, spot out in the distance. So if your arrow is coming off your bow low and it doesn't have time to hit that high point uh, on its trajectory, then you're going to hit low. Um, so so there, there are a lot of things. And then, then even like shooting at a deer from a vertical position, you have a, you have a, a steeper angle, uh, a thinner margin at their vitals. And so I, I haven't looked at the footage yet. My guess is I probably – um, I probably touched on that shoulder blade area that's, that's pretty darn tough. And given the angle, it just, the, the angle is too shallow for the broadhead to bite. You know, that, that's my guess. So, and, and the, the one plus thing is that if you have a good shot, you have a pass through with your arrow that comes out the bottom of the animal. And so you essentially have a drain hole for your blood trail. Like those are some of the best blood trails that you, that you get if, if it doesn't clog up with something. So it's, uh, you know, there's some definitely some pros and some cons to a shot mm. like that. But, uh, but this guy lived to, uh, to tell to the find story. A girlfriend and, and tell the story. About it. Yeah. <laughs> and recharge and, and here him. I am telling the story about him. So you got to pass on those, that wacky rack jeans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's, his, uh, his, uh, his heritage is going to live on on that property for sure. But there's still time. Like I, I, I may, uh, I may see him around again. It would be nice to kind of close the chapter on, on him, but it was just, you know, it just as, as an archery hunter to get that close to a deer, it's, it's almost magical. It's just like you go all day without seeing anything. And then in the matter of seconds, your heart's going 150 miles an hour and like everything has changed. And there's ontological shock. You can't believe this is happening, but yet you're still kind of going through the motions of your shot sequence and getting everything set up for, uh, for, uh, for a shot. And it's, it, it's part of the, I mean, I always say 
hunters in general and, and anglers that are eternal optimists because, you know, we'll go for hours not getting a bite or not seeing any animals. And, but we live for those few seconds or even minutes sometimes of the encounter that are just, you just cannot put it in words. There's mm-hmm. nothing like it. So uh, we touched off the air, and I want to get into this uh, conversation about some um, of the struggles that are facing area hunters in this uh, early part of the season here. Um, but I, I'll, first, I have some of the stats here from the uh, MDC um, that are, you know, not, are, are pretty – Average, uh, not good or bad. Uh, Missouri deer hunters had a solid start to the November firearms deer season, bagging a total of 90,334 deer during the opening weekend on November 11th and 12th. Uh, 000, just over 53,000 were antlered bucks, just over 7,000 were button bucks, and uh, right at 30,000 were does. The leading counties were Franklin County, Texas County, and Howell County. Uh, MDC reported that this year's opening weekend was in line with the average of the past five years. Um, to put it in perspective, last year saw 93,335 deer in the opening weekend. Um, so just a, a little bit less than that uh, at 90,000 starting this year. So uh, those are the official numbers. But, uh, yeah, you had mentioned that there's some, um, uh, a little bit less, 3,000 deer less than the beginning of last year, and there could be some good reasons for that. So uh, uh, fill yeah. us in on that. Yeah, what would be interesting for for us to, to know is um, what the total harvest has been so far since archery season opened on September 15th because uh, my guess is, Based on uh, everything I'm hearing from other guys that hunt and working here through outdoors and through deer cast and seeing people's stories and, and hearing their experiences, and even on the podcast, we have a pretty active podcast fan page over. It's called the Rack Pack over on Facebook, and uh, and people are saying, and this kind of matches up with our experience, that the combination of the very warm fall that we've had so far the drought-like conditions that have just done a number on everyone's food plots, if, if you put in food plots, uh, the bumper crop of, of acorns, uh, the, the mass crop, just the, the sheer abundance of food in the woods, uh, coupled with kind of the timing of uh, the uh, full moon, just really made conditions difficult so far. Uh, especially leading up to uh, the peak of the rut here, uh, a really suppressed movement or pushed it into the nighttime where uh, obviously you can't deer hunt. So it doesn't do hunters much good if that, if that rutting activity is happening overnight. Um, you're not going to see as much activity during the daytime. You're going to be feeding and watering um, overnight and, and chasing overnight. They're going to be resting during the day. So, um, so that, that's, that's made life really difficult for most, most deer hunters, especially archery hunters here in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and I don't know that November is going to be any better. I, I think just in terms of a, a you know, year to year average, I think November is going to be on the lower side as far as deer movement and opportunity. Uh, so, so what that means for deer hunters is that we've just got to, be smart about the stands that we hunt. Make sure we're hunting on the right winds and maximizing the time that we're out there logging those hours and kind of getting back to basics because 
um, the chances of just seeing a bunch of deer every time you go out, they're, they're going to be few and far between, I think. Uh, all the more reason. I'll do the uh, shameless plug for you. All the more reason to uh, have something like the deer cast that you just mentioned on your side. <laughs> Um, when things are tough or, or just to manage, you know, these, these conditions that you don't have any control over, um, uh, the app, the DeerCast app that you guys offer there from uh, Drury Outdoors is, is an amazing, uh, assistant that can, uh, really, uh, change your success rate out there. Tell folks about DeerCast real quick. Yeah. So, uh, DeerCast will give you up to 14 days, a likely deer movement based on 13 different meteorological factors from, uh, cloud cover, rain, departure from average, normal uh, temperature, highs and lows, um, moon phase, I think I mentioned, um, moon rise and moon set. Like there's a lot of different factors and they change. Like those factors change uh, their effect on deer based on the time of year. So you can't say cloud cover in September is going to affect deer the same way that cloud cover in December will. Uh, and the app takes all that into, into account. And really, if you think about it, deer, deer hunting is expensive. You know, you sit out there in a stand and your time is so valuable. That's time away from your family, time away from your job, making money, time away from getting chores done. So you don't want to waste it. Um, you really want to make sure that the time you're spending out there is fruitful and uh, you're not, you're not wasting it. So, um, so I, you know, obviously I, I work at three outdoors. I run deer cast. But I also pay attention to and hunt by the deer cat, and uh, and, I, and I have have to say, like it is, it's probably ninety five percent accurate with the deer movement yeah. indicator. And Mark, like we talk about with electronics and fishing and everything, I mean, like anything to give you uh, a little, a little, little step up, little boost, yep. little help is it's worth uh, it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and Tim, unfortunately, we are just about out of time, but I gotta I, I gotta read this story real quick and get your uh, get a quick reaction from you. Uh, conservationists say a growing bear population in the state of Missouri may mean more sightings this fall. People in Jefferson County have reported uh, spotting one at least twice in the past few days. Um, no pictures of it yet, but a lot of various reports coming in. The Missouri Department of Conservation say that they have received reports uh, that the bear was near Timberline Drive and Highway 30 there in Jefferson County. I know that we have put in a bear season here in the state of Missouri, and we've talked a lot on this show about, you know, the uh, the large number of encounters with wildlife that continues to seem to grow uh, in the area. So this story is probably not uh, going to be an isolated outlier. It's going to be something that we see more and more of. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Things are kind of getting back to, I mean, the, the state is rewilding and uh, mm. things are getting back to the way that they used to be. My, my daughter saw a black bear in the field behind our house probably three or four summers ago. Um, so they're definitely around. I, I think it's just, I think they've been around longer than people really realize. It's just that the yeah. numbers are growing, like that article says, and now we're becoming more aware of it. Like they, they've been here, but the, the, the more of them that are around, the more you know scarce food will become and the more brazen they will probably be to uh, take advantage of food sources uh, from humans. And so, garbage cans and food yeah. scraps left out yeah. and dog food outdoors and all those things. People are just going to have to be a little more bear aware. Um, bear we, aware. You know, we can certainly do it. I like it. That sounds like a campaign. Bear aware. Yeah. Mark said all those things earlier in the show. You know, they, 
the the wildlife adapts and they also know where the food is. And so this is, you know, that's definitely a big part of why we're seeing this. Tim Shelswick from Drury Outdoors. Really appreciate your time today, buddy. And uh, good luck out there. We'll talk to you again real soon. Love you guys. Back at you. Make sure you check out the DeerCast app. Make sure you check out the 100% Wild podcast. And don't forget about the Bluff City Outdoors show podcast. We put it out each and every week right after we get off the air on all your favorite podcast platforms. So make sure you don't miss anything that happens here on the show by subscribing to the Bluff City Outdoors show podcast. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Make sure. Hey, can I get one more thing? Please. I just want to say that, hey, we are having a Black Friday sale out at the shop. Oh, yeah. You know, that's didn't really, that's sneaking up on us. So we that, picked up oh, some uh, great deals on stuff. Crazy that next week is Thanksgiving. Yes. Crazy that <laughs> so next week is we Thanksgiving. We will be having some great deals going on that Friday and that, in that weekend. Oh, so dude, come and check it out. Take we'll, follow us on Facebook. Yeah. where I'll be posting some of the deals. Definitely take advantage of that. Bluff City Outdoors on Broadway and Alton, Illinois, about a mile east of Fast Eddie's. Get out there. Check out the Black Friday sales. And like Mark said, make sure you're following them on Facebook. Bluff City Outdoors on Facebook. All right, that'll do it for this week's Bluff City Outdoors show. For producer Quentin and Mark McMurray, I'm Tony Colombo. Thanks so much for listening to us here on 1019 and 94.1 News Talk STL. Yeah, now when I walked in, I can't even.